podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. What's good, boys and girls? Welcome to the Two Footed Podcast. It is Friday, the 8th of January. The first full working week of January 2021 is over. You have made it through. Congratulations. Put your feet up. It's time to enjoy the weekend. We are brought to you by EPLindex.com in association with presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider. Do check out their services at LibertyShield.com. And use my code EPLVPN to get 20% off at checkout. Hardware and software packages, both very good. Uh, We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft. Home of Hopcroft is a homeware shop and website. You can check out what they have available at homeofhopcroft.co.uk. Really good stuff, worldwide shipping, and great people to deal with. Um, We're a little bit later today than normal. Uh, We are recording this at uh, 20 minutes to 4 and our usual release time is 4 p.m., but uh, we've we've run over on a couple of other projects today, and um, there were some some sleeping issues for me as well. So never mind all that. Um, so we are with you a little bit later, but you know, hopefully we we start your weekend off the right way. Do just want to mention yesterday was our 100th episode of this podcast. Uh, when I started, I didn't know how many we would get to do. I didn't know if we'd get to to 10, to 20, to 50. I didn't know if there'd be interest. Uh, The interest has been great. The numbers have been really good. I'm so thankful for all the support and all the nice messages and everything else. To Mr. Anderson, thank you very much. Um, Much appreciated. You'll know what I mean when I say that. Uh, Really, really do appreciate it. You are are a diamond. Um, But yeah, 100 episodes in, so thank you very much. Wouldn't be possible without all of you and with, with without the guys at Liberty Shield and EPL Index and without Guy Drinkle. So thank you to everybody. Um, Here's to the next 100. Um, They'll probably go just as quick. Right, it is FA Cup weekend. It is third round weekend. And I know the FA Cup has lost some of its luster. I know it's lost some of its magic. It all started when Manchester United bowed out of the FA Cup to go and play in a World Club Cup in Brazil and other clubs started to see the money involved in other competitions, in particular the Champions League, obviously. And that's where the big focus has gone, the Premier League and the Champions League. But the FA Cup is still special. It's still special to me. If you're from, if you're of my generation, and I'm I'm 35 with a couple of years' experience. I'm 38. I'm, I'm 38 years of age. Um, the FA Cup mattered when I was growing up. I still remember how important third-round Saturday always was. My stepfather used to bring me to the Roundo in Navan, and there'd be a game on. There'd be the breaking, you know, news of of other goals going on, and it was just a lot of excitement. Teams that you hadn't heard of before, and you didn't know in the pre-internet era. I'm talking like the early '90s here. Um, were just it was great. You'd see all these games that you'd never otherwise get to see. You know, Mickey Thomas scoring that incredible goal to knock Arsenal out for Wrexham. Um, I remember watching a couple of Spurs games because there were Spurs people in in my 
group of of people that we were there with so you know it was it was really entertaining and i have great memories of that so for me even though it's lost a bit of its luster and obviously liverpool don't take it all that seriously under jürgen klopp it still matters to me as a football fan first and foremost and a liverpool fan second i still love the fa cup and i still think it has a big part to play in the football calendar i i think it should be the last game of the season in England should be the FA Cup final. I don't think there should be Premier League games played after it. Season starts with the Community Shield, it should end with the FA Cup final. That should That's how it should be. Um, this is a weird weekend, obviously, because, again, there's no fans because most of the UK, if not all of the UK, is in a level five lockdown. We here in Ireland are in a level five lockdown, so nobody's going to go to the pub to watch it. There'll be no fans of the game. So it will be very, very different. Um, at least last year, think of it. Last year for third round, coronavirus wasn't something we were even thinking about. There were some murmurings of something going on in China, but it wasn't something that any of us normal Joe Soaps thought was was going to affect our lives, and certainly not for the length that it has. So, you know, this is a new experience for everybody. So what I want to do today, very quickly, is run through the third round fixtures. Look, there's a, a bunch of teams here I have no idea anything about them i'm not going to really focus in on any of the games where there's not a premier league team involved because because i've committed to doing this podcast i've I've really focused only on watching premier league football and watching every game and then the odd big game from around europe or the odd you know the hipster game that i might catch but other than that it's been premier league premier league premier league so i don't really have much of an idea of how teams are doing so i am relying on the internet to tell me how other teams are doing outside the premier league so the first game is is tonight. There's two games tonight. Uh, Aston Villa against Liverpool and Wolves against Crystal Palace. So we know how those teams are doing. Liverpool are top of the Premier League. Villa are fifth, I think. Um, both are having you know good seasons. Liverpool are a little bit disappointing of late, but it, it's, it is what it is. Villa have been decimated by COVID. They're going to be playing an under-18, under-23 team tonight. The manager's not available. Liverpool were planning to rest most players anyway, so they'll have a weakened team out. Um, you would expect Liverpool to win that game comfortably, though, given, well, Villa have 14 positive tests, 10 of them are first-team players. You'd then imagine a lot of other players who haven't tested positive are also going to have to isolate because they'll have had close contact with the players. So I don't think anyone from Villa's first team is going to be playing. It is largely going to be an academy team. So for Liverpool, it will be a pretty much of a disaster if they did lose. The other game tonight, though, then can take centre stage. It's Wolves against Crystal Palace. Uh, again, obviously, two Premier League teams. We, we know how they're doing. Wolves are having a disappointing season. Palace are having a Roy Hodgson season, which means they're anywhere between 12th and 15th on a weekly basis. Um, I think that's the game to, to watch tonight, but we won't focus neither of them for now. Tomorrow, then, the... Five games kicking off at noon. First up is Everton against Rotherham. Now, Rotherham are in the championship, having been promoted last last season. They are not having a particularly good time of life in the uh, championship. They currently sit 23rd out of 24 teams. They have uh, only won four games. They are three points off safety, but they do have three games in hand on Sheffield Wednesday. So they have given themselves a bit of a fighting chance. Them and Wickham came up um, as two of the three promoted teams and both have struggled so far, but all is not lost for either of them because that league is just as condensed as the Premier League. 
And um, for Rotherham, they have lost their last two league games in a row. So that's disappointing, obviously. Um, and I couldn't tell you about any of their players. I don't really know a whole lot about them. Um, Freddie Ladebo and Michael Smith are their top scorers this year. They've got four goals each. Matt Crooks and Daniel Barlazar. Barlazar. They've both got three. Um, I, I genuinely don't know anything about them. It's a game you would expect Everton to win, being the Premier League side, even though they'll probably rest a couple of players. I do think Everton will take this competition seriously this year because Carlo will want to win silverware. I've said I think they can get top four. They might, ha- might have a bit of a more conservative view of things, and maybe they're thinking, right, if we can get fifth, sixth, seventh, that's an improvement league-wise. And then if we can win uh, the FA Cup, that is great. That's silverware for the first time, as Liverpool fans like to remind them, since 1995, which would be massive. Would really, I mean, they might build a statue of Carlo if he wins an FA Cup. Um, so I would expect Everton to have a fairly strong team out tonight, and um, or tomorrow rather, and go for the win there. Uh, then you get Boreham Wood against Millwall, Luton against Reading, Nottingham Forest against Cardiff. And Norwich against Coventry. Now, Norwich-Coventry is an interesting game because Norwich obviously having a good season. And um, those are two teams that, again, to hark back to my childhood, they were always Premier League teams. When I was growing up, they were Premier League teams. I remember Norwich playing in the UEFA Cup against Inter Milan and Bayern Munich. Coventry always seemed to have some interesting players, always seemed to sign a lot of players from Crystal Palace. Um, and then they had Peter Undlove, who who I loved and had wanted at Liverpool for years and years. Um, they were managed by like Big Ron. There was great. They were just one of those teams that had a bit of character about them. They were never fun to play. Highfield Road was the stadium, and obviously they've been through the ringer in the last few years. All the the nonsense with their ownership or with the stadium. Uh, they're currently playing in Birmingham, which isn't ideal for them. But there is talk that they might go back to the Rico Arena next season, which would be great for them to be back in Coventry. I mean, Coventry City should be playing in. Coventry. They shouldn't be playing in in Birmingham. Um, but yeah, again, I mean, it's not a Premier League game, so we won't focus in on that one. Uh, Chorley, and then it's sorry, twelve fifteen. Chorley, uh, non-league team against a COVID-ravaged Derby County. So you might see a big possibility of an upset here for Chorley, which could be huge. Um, loads of the players for Derby ruled out. Wayne Rooney can't be at the game either as player or manager. So. Uh, it's a big, big ask for Derby to fill that one, and, and Chorley will be confident. Um, moving on to the 3 p.m. kickoffs then. Blackburn Rovers play Doncaster, and then we get a Premier League team. With West Brom travelling to Blackpool, who are in League One, uh, managed by Neil Critchley. Uh, they're currently 13th in League One. It's a bit of a hit-and-miss season, a bit of inconsistency there. Eight wins, but nine defeats, only the three draws. They do play pretty entertaining football, and they have had... They had a really bad start to the season where they only won two of their first nine, but then they went in a really good run where they won three in a row, then they lost one, but then they won two, drew one, won one, drew one. So that 10-game stretch was really good for them and, and really did help kind of turn the season around. Now, their Boxing Day game got postponed and then they've lost their last two, so they come into it in a little bit of a bad run of form. But... um. CJ Hamilton is a quality player in midfield. He's their top scorer this season. Another one to watch is Jerry Yates, the striker. They're a fun team to watch. You would expect West Brom 
to rest some players. But again, Big Sam might use this as an opportunity to take some of the take some of the hurt away from the current situation in the Premier League and maybe look at this as just an, an opportunity for a completely free hit. You know, let's just go and have fun in the FA Cup. And if we can have a good cup run, maybe it, it you know, lifts the mood and, and we can translate that into the Premier League. So I, I would expect, again, that West Brom will go with a, a fairly decent squad. But I don't think they'll rest everybody. Um and I think that's a game, obviously, you'd expect West Brom to win against a, a League One team. But with it being away, there is the big possibility there of an upset. Um, after that, then, there are, there's Wickham against Preston uh, and then QPR against Fulham. So QPR, obviously, in the championship, again, sitting in mid-table in the championship under Mark, Warbut- War- Mark Warbutton. Burton? Warburton, I think, isn't it? I, I don't know. Who cares? Um, yeah, so they've uh, they've had a, a you know a very inconsistent season. Sorry, I'm wrong. They're actually twentieth in the championship, um, which is really really poor. They're having a dreadful season. I don't know why I thought they were mid table. They're having a dreadful season. They are two points clear of the relegation zone, um, but again, Rotherham are five points behind them with two games in hand on them. So they could easily get dragged into it. They obviously lost Eberichi Ezzy in the summer. And that they didn't really replace him. So another club that's been through sort of a horrible run in the last few years with weird ownership situations. They've been up and down a couple of times. There's enough talent in the squad to do really well, but it just hasn't really translated into results on the pitch. Um, again, QPR, a team that when I was growing up, they were in the Premier League with Trevor Sinclair and Les Ferdinand and, Kevin Gallen and players like that. I mean, they were just a fun team. And they were just always a Premier League team. They were always sort of, you know, floating between... Some years they'd finish 7th and some years they might finish 15th. But they were always in the Premier League. Um, they're just just a really nice London club. And their, their stadium's cool. I love Loftus Road. I've been a few times. It's one of those old-style stadiums. Pitch is really close to the fans. The fans are really close to the pitch. Um, it doesn't look like it, it, you know, a stadium would fit on the plot of land. It's there, but it is there, and it, it they're, a, you know, they're a nice club. I've, I've always had a bit of a soft spot for for QPR. Uh, then we get Stevenage against Swansea before another Premier League team, Burnley, play MK Dons. Now MK Dons, one of the more disliked clubs, I think it's fair to say in English football because of how they came to be, um, having been Wimbledon Football Club and the crazy gang and everything that came with them and then getting shifted to to Milton Keynes and renamed and rebranded. They've got themselves a nice big stadium that they are completely incapable of filling. They're currently playing in League One, um, where they sit 16th. Again, just a, a, an average League One team that Burnley should be confident of beating. Now, they do come into it off back-to-back wins. Uh, they beat Eastleigh and Barnett to get their way to this stage in the competition, I think Sean Dyche might go with a fairly strong squad, uh, given it's at home. Now, they do have a couple of COVID uh, issues. Dyche has been open about that. Burnley do have a couple of positive COVID tests, but they've been able to isolate the players. I thought Dyche made some interesting comments yesterday where he said that he thinks maybe footballers should be vaccinated because football clubs and, and the Premier League and the Football League are spending an absolute fortune on testing at the moment. 
And Dyche's point is, yes, it may seem selfish to vaccinate the players, but if they were to vaccinate the players, then all that money that, that, that's been set aside for testing protocols and all that for the rest of the season could be given to the NHS. That's millions of pounds that could be given to the NHS. That could be huge. And the other thing as well is there's a lot of clubs that really can't afford the testing that's going on at the minute. And it is driving some clubs towards the wall. And maybe it can just help with the financial constraints on certain teams. Now, Dice is going to get pushed back, and I'm sure some of you listening to this will push back and say, well, why should footballers get it? I think the bigger picture view is it's money that can be pushed back to the NHS. It's money that the Premier League and the Football League can donate to the NHS, which can help with pushing the vaccine out to more and more people and helping get the general population vaccinated a lot quicker. It doesn't really look like football is going to stop. So, you know, if they're going to continue to spend millions every month on testing, isn't that money better spent in the hands of the NHS? I have to say, I think it is. I think Dyche has made a really good point there. Um, up next then, Sheffield United uh, in their miserable season that they're having travel to play Bristol Rovers in a game that I think they have to win for their own their own well-being, their own confidence. I just think they're having such a miserable season that like West Brom, this could just be a really nice release for them where they can just take their minds off how things are going rotten in the Premier League and focus in on, you know, a potential positive, a potential cup run. Bristol are towards the foot of League One, currently sitting in 18th position. Now, they do have some games in hand, so they can jump their way back up. Um, they've had a lot of games postponed of late um, because of, of COVID issues. They've only won one game since early December, but they've only played two games. So it, it's difficult. They beat Walsall and Darlington to get here. They wallop Darlington 6-0. Um, they're doing well in the EFL Trophy, which is obviously a, a good competition for the, the lower league teams. Uh, Brandon Hanlon and Sam Nicholson are the two kind of star names there, two players to keep an eye on. They'll cause uh, United some problems, but you'd expect that Sheffield United to go relatively strong and try and win this game. Um, Oldham versus Bournemouth, and then Stoke versus Leicester. So Stoke, obviously a team that we are all well used to, having seen them in the Premier League for, for many of the year under the heroic figure that is uh Tony Pulis. Um, under Martin O'Neill, or Ma- Ma- Martin O'Neill, Michael O'Neill, um, they're a much better team to watch than they have been for a long, long time. They're currently eighth in the championship, just, just two points outside the playoff positions. Um, they've probably lost more games this season than they would have liked, but they're only really losing to the better teams in the league. Um, the Bristol defeat was a bit disappointing early in the season, but other than that, Swansea, Watford, Norwich, Cardiff and Bournemouth. I mean, they're all playoff or they're thereabouts teams. Bristol are the only team below them that they've lost to. Um, they play good attacking football. O'Neill is is a really good coach. He did obviously incredible work with um with Northern Ireland. They've got some interesting players there. I, I think Nick Powell is a is a good player. 
he obviously was at Wigan. He was at Manchester United. He was bought from Crew, and big things were expected of him, but it never really worked out. Tyrese Campbell is the sort of the leader of the attack there. But, you know, James McLean is still there uh, annoying people um, and, and causing everybody that doesn't like him to boo him. Um, there's some talented players in the squad. They'll be hardworking. They'll be... Uh, they've just brought Robbie Matondo in on loan from Schalke, which is a huge, huge coup for them to get him in. Super talented player. Came through Man City's academy, Welch International. Um, they've also got John Obi Mikel there. Um, who's obviously you know been around a long time and, and done a lot of good things in his career, and um, and Tom Ince has been there, but he hasn't had a good season. He's had some injuries, but Stoke will be Stoke will be a big test for Leicester. Leicester obviously rested some players in a recent Premier League game and didn't look particularly good when they left their big guns out. You'd wonder if that's a potential upset at Stoke. Leicester eyes on the Premier League. And the, the Europa League. I think there's a possibility of an upset there. Um, Exeter against Sheffield Wednesday. We are all pushing for an Exeter win after the uh, the disrespectful treatment of, of, of Big Tone. An outrage that he was fired. An absolute outrage. Just because he hadn't won in eight games. I mean, come on. Give him 20 at least. Um, Arsenal against Newcastle. Again, look, another Premier League battle. Both teams having disappointing seasons. I will from a fan perspective anyway. Arsenal have been much better of late. Newcastle, I think their fans have had just about enough of the Steve Bruce era. Um, I don't think his comments that he's only there to keep them in the Premier League went down too well. Newcastle are diabolical to watch. Arsenal had been for a while, but they've looked much better recently. We'll probably see some of the younger players get a game here, so we could see Reese Nelson play. Um, Martinelli, if he's fit, could start. Eddie Nketiah could start. I'm hoping Emil Smith-Rowe will keep his place in the team because he's been really good of late. Um, I think Arsenal should win that game. I, I just I don't see that that Newcastle will be able to beat Arsenal because I think Newcastle will rest some players. Uh, then we get Brentford against... Sorry, that's a, that's a 5.30 kickoff. Into the 6 p.m. kickoffs, it's Brentford against Borough. Um, you'd expect Brentford to win because we nobody wants to see Neil Warnock win. We are anti-Neil Warnock on this podcast, by the way. And then Huddersfield against Plymouth. The 8 p.m. kickoff, the late game, is Manchester United at home to Watford. Watford, obviously, were in the Premier League last season and got relegated. They're currently sixth in the championship. They have sacked a manager already this season. So for those of you playing Watford, bingo, one manager down, one to go. Uh, Cisco is the new manager. I remember him as a player. Don't know a whole lot about him as a manager. I think his managerial experience comes from the Georgian Premier League. Uh, so that's, you know, it, it is what it is. Um, obviously, some really talented players in this Watford squad, like Joe Pedro, Ishmael Assar, Dominguez Quina, uh, Will Hughes I do like. Um, I like Nathaniel Chalaba. But all things considered, United should win this game comfortably. It would be quite embarrassing for United to lose this game. Uh, the expectation, I think, will be that United get to the semi-finals and then lose because that's you know where they go out of competitions. But all things considered, United should win this game uh, at a canter. Um, moving on then to Sunday, Crawley Town uh, playing host to Leeds. So 
I used to live in Brighton and I used to go and see Brighton play on a regular basis. But when they were away, I would often go and see Crawley at that little compact stadium that they had. Uh, their fans are a little bit mental. There'll be none of them at this game, obviously. But um, I did once have one tell me he didn't like my face, which, I, you know, is a fair play. Fair enough. Um, and then he tried to climb a barricade to come across and tell me a closer proximity. At which point he was very, very drunk, I should add. And he, the, the barricade was kind of a, on a slope and had a, a solid piece of round metal, like a, a pipe at the top of it. And when he threw his leg over it, he proceeded to slide about eight feet down and kick somebody else in the head who proceeded to drag him down and give him the few slaps all while, you know, I just stood there baffled by the whole thing. I had no idea what I'd done to offend this man, but maybe it just is my face. It could well be. Um, Leeds, I think Bielsa will want to take this fairly seriously. Um, Crowley are in League Two. They've been in League Two for quite a while. Now, it's a huge accomplishment for them to be in the football league at all. Because when I was going to see them, they were a non-league team. Um, but it's such a huge achievement for Crawley to be in the Football League. They did get some investment over a couple of years, and it, it's obviously helped them. They're sixth in, in League Two at the moment, so in the playoff positions, having a pretty good season. And in a good run of form, uh, won their last two, four wins and four draws from their last eight. So they'll go into the game confident, but I, I think Leeds will play a pretty strong squad, a pretty squ- strong team, and um, you'd expect Leeds to to win that game fairly comfortably unless things go sideways for them, which is always possible when it's Bielsa because, you know, his, his, his team are so so attack-minded that they might just get themselves caught out. Um, then we get Bristol against Portsmouth. Uh, Portsmouth, I always, always feel bad for Portsmouth fans after what they went through and how close that club came to going into business. Bristol are a club that they've tried a few times to, uh, to really you know, invest and get themselves into the Premier League. And they've always fallen short. But um, they are a club I do like. And there's a player at Bristol that I think, if if he plays in this game, he's well worth the watch. He's a young French midfielder called Han Noah Masengo. Really, really talented. I don't know if he's injured or if he's fit or what's going on. He hasn't been a regular in the team last uh, this season. Last season, they did pay $7 million for him, I think to bring him in from Monaco, and he was really, really good. He's a super talented player, um, and he's one I think some Premier League clubs should be keeping an eye on. He's only 19, so keep an eye on him. Han Noah Masengo, very, very talented player, but uh, that's not a game that we want to spend too much time on. Uh, Cheltenham against Mansfield, and then Chelsea against Morecambe. So obviously Morecambe also in League 2, Another club that for a long time were, you know, were non-league and, and they've done exceptionally well to get themselves up into the football league. Um, they're currently seventh in League Two. They've won their last four games in a row. They'll come into the game, you know, pretty confident. Uh, it's a huge occasion for them getting to play Chelsea, going to Stamford Bridge. It's a sh- This is one of the games where it's such a shame there's no fans because for those players, imagine what it would have been like to go and play in front of, you know, 40,000 people or whatever it is. I think it's 40,000 people at Stamford Bridge Holes. Um, for Chelsea, I mean, they can't afford to lose this game. If if they lose, Lampard is gone. If if they lose this game, and they shouldn't because Morecambe obviously not a top-half Premier League team and 
Chelsea do are flat track bullies. They'll beat everybody else. But if Chelsea were to lose this game, that game is on at one thirty, which means it should end at about quarter past to twenty past three. If Chelsea were to lose, Frank Lampard will be sacked by half past three. No question. There's just no way that that would be allowed. Um, but Chelsea's squad is so strong that they can rest most of their players and still put out a really good team. You'd expect that um, the likes of uh, Callum Hudson-Odoi will start, Jorginho will start, Emerson Palmieri, Cesar Aspilicueta, Tamore and Rudiger and Kepa might even get a game. I mean, if Kepa gets a game, maybe that's more comes root into the game. Um, but, you know, uh, Billy Gilmore, if he's fit, could start. It's a game you would just expect Chelsea to win very, very comfortably without without much fuss. Um, after that then, or sorry, at the same time as that, it is Man City against Birmingham City. Birmingham are in the championship, where they have been for a number of years. Um, and not having a particularly great season, currently sitting 18th, not that far outside the relegation spots. It's been a tough few years for them as well with, with weird ownership situations and, you know, th- th- there was that bizarre Harry Redknapp era. Um, there's some talent at the squad, but obviously when they when they lost their big hitter to um, in, in, in Bellingham to, uh, to Dortmund in the summer, it obviously dropped the overall talent level of the squad. They do struggle for goals. Nobody in the team has scored more than two goals this season. Weird situation that Josh McEachern, who's a very, very talented young player and really should be the best player at that club, just can't get a game. The one player to keep an eye on if he plays, and it's staggering to me that he has ended up there. Now, McEachern, I'm, I'm shocked, is there because as a young player at Chelsea, he, he looked like he was going to be exceptional. But Alan Halilovic is there. Now, for those that don't know Alan Halilovic, he came through with Dinamo Zagreb and was immediately touted as this is the next Messi. This kid is sensational. He's incredible. Barca bought him. Um, they paid a substantial fee. I think I think it was like four million up front, rising to ten or something like that. And you know, a lot of money at the time for I think he was sixteen. He's 17. He was 17 when they signed him. And it just didn't work for him. There was a load of issues because of, you know, Barca having done things in the transfer market, signing underage players that weren't particularly good. And his transfer sort of got caught up in it all. And it all became a bit of a mess and a bit of a distraction for him and for them. He played for Barca B. He got loaned out to Sporting Gijon. None of it worked really well. He showed loads of flashes of his talent, but unfortunately couldn't sustain it. He went to Hamburg in Germany. Uh, never really got, got much traction there. Went back on loan to Las Palmas and did actually have a good season there. Then he was signed by AC Milan off the back of that. And again, it just you know shunted out on loans. Uh, Standard Liège, Heronveen. And now he's he's found himself at Birmingham. Um, he is a brilliantly gifted footballer. But it just has never worked out for him. It has never worked out for him. He's the youngest ever player to play for the Croatian national team. But he made his debut in 2013 and to this day only has 10 caps. So, you know, it's clearly... Career has not gone as planned. At 17, he was signing for Barcelona at, what is he now, 24? He's playing for Birmingham. 
at 16, he was making his international debut. At 24, he only has 10 caps. Um, it's such a shame. He's so gifted. I don't know whether there's attitude issues or anything like that, but he is so, so gifted. Um, he is one to watch. If he plays in this game, just keep an eye on him because he will have flashes where he does look really, really good. Now, he hasn't played a whole bunch for Birmingham this season, but do just keep an eye on him. Um, City should win the game comfortably. City are in great form. They've got this big squad. They're, you know, world-class players falling out of themselves. A um, couple of COVID issues, obviously, and uh, that's disappointing for them, but I-, I think City win this game comfortably. Um, then we've got Barnsley against Tranmere. And then it's Marine against Spurs. And this is a game of, of real interest because Marine are in the... Northern Premier League Division 1 Northwest, which is the eighth tier of the football pyramid. So think of when you go and play for your Sunday League team, you're probably as close to Marine as Marine are to Spurs. You might even be closer. Um, heartbreaking for Marine that there's no fans there because they've lost out on you know massive gate receipts. Uh, one of their shirt sponsors dropped them because there's no fans there and, and all this kind of stuff. But they've done a great job. What they've done is they've sold virtual tickets. And if you go on the Marine AFC website, you can buy a virtual ticket for this game and help support Marine. Marine are based in Crosby, just outside of Liverpool. So if you're a Liverpool fan, this might be of interest to you. If you're not, it, it, it's not. So uh, just allow me a moment. Um, you can buy it. It's £10 or you can pay £20 and contribute to the marine foundation and marine football club whatever it is um I, I did it yesterday 20 quid it it was it's you know it's 20 quid it is what it is um it helps this club long term they've been able to secure a bunch of sponsorships i think the athletic have gotten involved they've sponsored their shirts and a bunch of other companies have, have you know done sponsorship deals with them and tried to contribute some money um it's a huge okay it's the biggest game in marine history by a million miles having spurs come and play them is the biggest game in their history. They were only ever in the FA Cup third round once before. That was back in 1993. They lost 3-1 to Crew. But this is this is massive for them. Um, I, I'm so excited for to get this opportunity and to just go flat out against them. They have nothing to lose here. They can just go absolutely flat out and not have any concerns about what's going on. Like I say, they play in the Northern Le- Northern Premier League Division One Northwest, uh, where they currently sit sixth. Now they do have a game in hand or two games in hand on a lot of the teams above them. This is actually a mental league. I, I knew nothing about this league until I looked at it earlier on. So there's there's a team in this league that have played twelve games so far, uh, called Kendall Town, who are based in Cumbria, and then there's a team who've played five games. Now, the team that have played five games are actually one point above the team that have played 12 games. Um, the team that have played five games are Marsk United, who are from Marsk by the Sea, who, where, which I believe is the hometown to Mr. Guy Drinkle. So, Guy, can you offer any insight at all on Marsk United? They play in blue and yellow. That's all there I got. Go, then. There we go. Blue and yellow kits. Marsk United, keep an eye out for them. They've only played five games. They're five points off the promotion spots, 
with, with all these games in hand. So, yeah, Marsk United going well. Back to Marine. Again, right on the edge of the playoffs with games in hand. So they should find themselves in the playoffs. Their big rivalry there is, is City of Liverpool. Um, it's a really exciting time for Marine. Really, really, you know, great accomplishment for everybody involved at the club to have gotten to the third round. Hopefully, hopefully they can make enough money from this game to, you know, finance themselves for the next couple of seasons and, and do any upgrades they want to. There, their stadium is called Rosset Park, uh, capacity of three thousand one hundred eighty-five, of which three hundred eighty-nine are seated. So it'll that'll give you an idea of you know the size of the club. Um, but they've been around a long time. They've been around since eighteen ninety-four, hundred and twenty-seven years going strong. Um, just a great, a great. This is what the FA Cup is about. This is the game that the FA Cup is defined by this season. A team from the eighth tier of English football going head-to-head with mighty Spurs, managed by Mourinho. You know, he might not play, but like the likes of Harry Kane and these kind of players coming to Marine. It's just incredible. Like These players all have full-time jobs that they do Monday to Friday, and football is their release. Um, their training ground, they don't even own, and they weren't allowed Jews this week because of COVID. Thankfully, both Liverpool and Everton stepped up and offered them use of their training. Able to, to do that. So it's just, it's brilliant. I'm so happy for Marine. The result is completely immaterial, but here's hoping they give a good account of themselves. Spurs are going to have a strong team because they've got a strong squad. They'll rest everybody and still have, you know, close enough to 11 internationals. Joe Hart will play. Um... Doherty, I think, is suspended, so Aurier might play, or they might play a young player. Ben Davies will play left-back. If he's fit, Tanganga and maybe uh, Davinson Sanchez at centre-back. Or maybe Joe Roden will, will get this game next to Sanchez. Um, you'd expect that Winks will play in midfield, and you know uh, Carlos Vinicius, the fit, will play up front, and uh, Lucas Moore and these type of guys. So there's going to be a strong... Deli Ali might even get a start. That's how, how strong... You know, how... how how much rotation there'll be. But it's going to be a really strong Spurs team. Um, it's just about the occasion for Marine. They should savour every single moment of it. It's just a shame there's no fans uh, in, in the stands for it. Um, the last game then on Sunday is Brighton and Hove Albion against Newport County. Now, Newport County are in League Two. They are currently sitting, I believe, Second in League Two, they are indeed. So they're having a really strong season. They haven't been in the best of form of late. No wins in the last four games. Uh, and that's actually knocked them from top spot in the league. But all all things going very, very well for Newport. Brighton obviously not having the best of seasons in the Premier League. And um, they might well have some doubts over, over themselves going into the game. So maybe there's a possibility of an upset here. Uh, we'll have to wait and see with that one. And uh, the last game then is is Monday night at eight p.m. It is uh, Stockport County playing host to West Ham. Stockport are in the National League, so they're in the fifth tier of English football. They currently sit fourth in the table. They do have a bunch of game and ha- games in hand, so having quite a good season. Uh, I don't know much of anything about them. Um, I can tell you that John Rooney. And Alex Reid have scored seven and six goals respectively for them. But that is about the height of it. West Ham will be 
strong favourites to win that game. It would probably be considered an outright disaster if they didn't win the game, uh, even with what will likely be um, a heavily rotated team. Now, the other game that is scheduled for the third round is Southampton against Shrewsbury. Now, this game is not scheduled to go ahead this weekend because of COVID, uh, but it may still get put on. We just have to wait and see with them, really, as to what's going to happen. There's been a, a COVID outbreak. It may well be a thing that Southampton are just given a bye because the the COVID outbreak was at Shrewsbury. Um, that may be what happens. If so, it's it's obviously it's a big blow for Shrewsbury because it would have been a huge game for them, a, hu- a huge event. Uh, they're currently in League One and they're having an okay season. They're mid-table, um, lower half of mid-table, sitting just one place below MK Dons. But obviously the COVID thing is, is, is real there. So, you know, you hope everybody gets better soon and you'd hope that, um, you'd hope the game can go ahead at some point, even if it goes ahead in midweek or something. I, Try and play the game at some point. Um, so there you go. That's all the FA Cup games. There's loads and loads of games to watch Saturday and Sunday. There's obviously games tonight, Friday, and Monday night as well. So you can have yourself a full weekend of football. Um, I'm going to try and do the FA Cup each time it comes around. And obviously, I'll try and know more about you know the teams that are facing the Premier League teams um, in the later rounds when there's just less to get through. I mean, it would have just been far too long of a show to go in depth on every team and I've, I've spent you know a couple of hours researching every team it would have just taken me too long to do but as we narrow it down in the fifth round the fourth round the fifth round I'll, I'll try and be more uh more clued in on what is actually going on and who is who uh final thing then for today we'll wrap up with a little bit of gossip uh again stealing from the bbc uh, thanks to all there uh Fenerbahce manager errol bullet says the situation over the club's potential signing of Mesut Ozil will become clearer in the coming days. Um, there's still strong rumours, though, that he's going to go to America, so we'll wait and see. Lionel Messi has told Neymar that he is planning to leave Barcelona in the summer and join Paris Saint-Germain. That's from the star. Now, I haven't read the article because I wouldn't lower myself to read the star, how does a star journalist know of the conversation between Lionel Messi and Neymar and nobody else does? How does that happen? I, this is just something that somebody's made up. Manchester City are currently closing in on the signing of mini Messi, Dario Sar- Sarmiento, a 17-year-old Argentine winger who plays for Estudiantes. Um, every left-footed young Argentine of diminutive stature is the next Messi, um, as they were previously the next Maradona. We can all name 15 next Maradonas, and until Messi, none of them turned out to be anything of the sort. Now, by all accounts, this kid is very, very special. Um, There's talk of a £17 million fee for him, which is obviously a lot of money. He's only played 17 senior games. Um... Hugely talented, but and and look, a couple of weeks ago there was talk of this. Then he signed a new contract. Now he's signing year to year contracts at the moment because of his age. 
So it's likely that that contract was just to facilitate a move. So Estudiantes could get a um, get a fee for him. I don't know a whole lot about him other than that. I've heard his name mentioned a bunch of times, and he does appear to be very highly rated. He's five foot six, so he is a mini Messi. Because I think Messi's about five foot seven. Um, so look, I wouldn't expect too much when he first arrives over. Let the kid develop. Um, managers, Newcastle manager Steve Bruce is keen for. Newcastle to sign an English trio of Manchester United players on loan this month and has spoken at length with his former club over left-back Brandon Williams, defender Phil Jones and midfielder Jesse Lingard. Each of them makes sense. I mean, Brandon Williams would have to play right-back for them because they've got Jamal Lewis and Williams is not better than Lewis. But he could fix their right-back situation where they've been playing DeAndre Yedlin, who I maintain is not a footballer. Um... They've had injury problems at centre-back, but I don't really see that Phil Jones is the answer for that, given he's been injured so much. I also think Phil Jones would be better going somewhere where he's more likely to play every game. I think he'd end up just being a squad player. Um, But Lingard, I could see another one that makes sense. They need more attacking midfielders. That's what Jesse Lingard is. He definitely needs a move away. Uh, Isn't it amazing that Phil Jones and Jesse Lingard are the same age? Because Phil Jones you would imagine should be in his 30s because he's been around forever. And Jesse Lingard didn't really make his breakthrough at United until he was in like his mid-20s. I think he was like 23, 24 when he first kind of really established himself at United. It's it's just strange to the same age. Anyway, Newcastle have also contacted Monaco about French fullback Gibral Sidibe. He was on loan at Everton last year. I was a little bit surprised that Everton didn't keep him. I know he wasn't as good as he should have been. But with their right-back situation, he would have started for Everton this season. Um, He's a good player. If you've got a choice between him and Williams, I would go for him. I think he's better than Williams at this point. And if Newcastle can get him, I think it's a good signing for them. Tottenham are in a strong position to to land RB Leipzig midfielder Marcel Sabitzer. But it is unlikely to happen this month, so says the Express. That is a journalist looking to fill column inches. That is a garbage story. Um, Former England midfielder... Sorry, England under-20 midfielder Marcus Edwards has ended West Ham's hopes of signing him in January by, by renewing his contract at Portuguese club Vitória de Gomeres with a 45 million release clause. Rele- with a 45 million release clause. Someday I'll learn to speak properly. Um, Marcus Edwards, when he was at Spurs, was really highly touted. I mean, I'm talking not quite Sancho level, but a little bit below that. Like he was super highly rated and for some reason he just, it never worked from at Spurs. He has been sensational since moving uh, to Portugal. It may well be that his style of play suits European football more than it would suit English football. And maybe a move to Spain or France would suit him as his next step, next step. Um, he can play as a winger on either side or as a number 10. He's very, very talented, gifted on the ball. Uh, great dribbler, really great dribbler of the ball. A 45 million release clause, nobody is going to pay that for him, especially from that club because they're not a big club who's going to be able to command that. But what it means is they'll probably get 15 to 20 million from when they do sell him, probably either in the summer or next January. But he seems to be very happy there in Portugal and you know, massive credit to him. Because when things ended at Spurs, he could have dropped down the divisions, as we see happen so often with young players who don't quite make it at the top level um, in England. They drop down a level and, and 
try and make it work that way. But he'd already had a season on loan at Excelsior in the Netherlands and he'd done quite well there. So he'd been abroad and he'd looked like a player who was suited to European football. So he made the decision to go to Portugal and it has worked really, really well for him. Now Spurs will receive 50% of any future transfer fee for him. Um, because he did have a year left on his contract when he left. So rather than taking a fee, Spurs gambled on his potential, which was a really clever move. It wouldn't surprise me if at some point Spurs were like, you know what, we'd like him back. He's he's become the player we hoped he would be and brought him back. Keep an eye on that. If he, if he continues to play really well, just keep an eye on Spurs, I've uh, been mentioned, for, to bring him back. Uh, Burnley manager Sean Dyche is called for fast-tracking coronavirus vaccines in football. This is what I talked about earlier. I do think it's a good idea. I really do. Uh, Leeds have identified three signings in the January transfer window and have funds available to bring in new players, but the clubs are reluctant to sell. Again, this is from the Express. Again, it just seems it just seems like nonsense to me. It it does. It just seems like nonsense. Uh, United's Argentine, Manchester United Argentine goalkeeper Sergio Romero is expected to return to the club next week as discussions over his future continue. Let the boy go. Just let him leave. Give him a free transfer and let him leave. He's 33. 33. He's already lost his place in the Argentine squad. You've already ruined three or four years of his career. Just let the guy go. Um, Shrewsbury face having to forfeit their place in the FA Cup after the third round match against Southampton was postponed following a number of positive uh, coronavirus tests. Yeah, I mean, it would be such a shame if they did have to, uh, if they did have to give it up. Um, This is a good story, actually. Chelsea owner Roman Abramovich has donated Stamford Bridge hotel rooms to NHS staff again. What a great gesture by Roman Abramovich. I mean, that is a very high-end hotel uh, at the bridge, and he's allowing NHS staff who work in London and maybe have to commute into London for work to stay there. I think it's a, I think it's a great move and fair play to Roman Bramovich. Um, Egyptian side Al-Ali have ruled out a move for Aston Villa fullback Ahmed El-Mohamedi. Um, he, he does need to move on. He's, I mean, realistically, he's the third best right back they have. So they could do it just moving him on and letting him go play for somebody else. Uh, Watford boss Cisco Munez has told his players to fight like animals during Saturday's FA Cup clash, Man United. I mean, sure, you know, if, if that's the approach you want to take, okay. I, I don't know that that's really a wise decision. Um, but yeah, whatever you think, whatever you think, Cisco, whatever's working for you, son. Um, Juventus have been dealt a blow in their search for a new striker. With Sampdoria's Fabio Quagliarella ruling out a return to his former side. I don't, yeah, see, the thing is, he's 37. So it's not a move that would make sense for him because he would go from being the man at Sampdoria with the team built round him and his every whim, you know, tended to, to just being a squad player at Juve. He was at Juve for four years. Uh, back at the start of the last decade from 2010 to 2014. Had an up and down time. It was probably the worst patch of his career in truth. And um, he's much, much happier where he is. And why are Juve only looking to sign old strikers? They've been linked with Loriente, Giroud, 
Uh, I saw links to Mandzukic. I saw links to Diego Costa. They were linked to Suarez in the summer. There are strikers under the age of 34 that they could buy. There's loads of them. Loads and loads of them. And then maybe they're being cheap and they don't want to spend money. But, I mean, Juventus don't really have a massive need for a striker. Like, if, if we look at their squad, you know, they've got Cristiano Ronaldo, who's, you know, he's decent. They've got Alvaro Morata, who's great up until the last 15 yards. Um, Dybala can play up front. Federico Chiesa can play up front. I think Dejan Kulusevski could play up front. Bernadeschi can definitely play up front because he did it for a time at Sampdoria. I don't really see that Juve need a striker. And like they've got a couple of very highly rated strikers in their academy that they could bring in, like Marco de Grazzo. Uh, he's very highly rated. They've got a bunch of players on loan. I'm sure they could recall one of them if they needed to. So it's just a little bit weird to me that they seem to be insistent on um, bringing in the striker. They've also got Felix Correa, who's the, the young Portuguese striker that they brought in in the summer from Manchester City in that weird swap deal where Pablo Moreno went out. He came in and both clubs said, oh, yeah, that guy he, that's never played for us, he's worth 10 million. Of course he is. Um, he's very highly rated, so they could play him up front. It would, you know, a 19-year-old is going to benefit you more long-term than a 37-year-old, and he's not going to whinge and moan as much when he's not in the team. Um, Juve are very strange this season. They're very, very strange season. Uh, Pirlo's mental, can we just say. For a guy who, during his career, we all admired and imagined that he used to sit at home of an evening with a glass of brandy and a cigar in a smoking jacket with his feet up, you know, reading classical literature and listening to classical music. I genuinely think that what Pirlo actually spent his days doing was throwing paint at walls, listening to heavy metal and screaming at children because he's just mental. He, he is mental. His tactical decisions are mental. Uh, that is it. That is our show. Uh, 101 episodes of the two footed podcast in the books. Thank you so much for your continued support. Thank you to Guy Drinkle, as always. Sorry we're a bit late today, but, you know, it's it's a, it's a one-off. It, it's happened twice. The other time wasn't our fault. It was ACAST's fault. So damn you, ACAST. Um, that's our show. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow. No, not tomorrow. Monday. Bye-bye. <laughs>